This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 103. It all starts with love, with Emily Bell Freeman and Garrett Bowles. Hey, everybody. I'm Becky Higgins, and I'm with Becky Proudfit. What up? Who likes to call me the older one. And I like to think of myself as the wiser one. I just want to like put that out there that with age comes wisdom. Correct. And you have a lot more age. So <laughs> wisdom, ride that train wisdom. all day long. <laughs> just kidding. You're I not that much older than me. I will tell you who has so much wisdom, Emily and Garrett. Oh, we have some wise ones on the show today. It I was, am, oh, just yes. such a pleasure to do this interview and to be talking to Emily and Garrett and um, it was unexpected. Man. Let me just tell you how this came about because we knew Emily was one of those bucket list guests. We have a lot of them, you guys, um, where we really just very much wanted to be sure to amplify her voice on our show. And we reached out to Emily, we coordinated our schedules, we made it happen. And literally at the last minute, she's like, Hey, how would you feel if I brought my son Garrett? And I just immediately like chills because I've heard stories from Emily about Garrett, but I didn't know his story. Mm -hmm. Like how did he come to be a part of their family? And I knew that there was something really special and unique there. And I couldn't wait to hear it just for personal selfish reasons. Mm -hmm. But then to sit down and record with them, you guys are going to fall in love with Garrett. If you don't already know him, such an amazing guy. He's super famous in the realm of football. Very famous, but <laughs> but among very our, strong, very large, oh, very very deep voice. You're gonna really love his voice. Life. Yes, and there is just something so magical, not just from hearing a story because obviously his story is incredible, mm-hmm. but from hearing it told from his mouth is yes. something I think really really special. Yeah, for sure. So they both have been just an incredible addition to the show, and and we're really grateful for how it panned out, and really excited to share this episode with you because. At the end of the day, it really does start and end with love. And that's really what their message is about. And I love that, you know, saying it's all about love. It all starts with love. That's, you know, it's the kind of thing you see on a bumper sticker and t-shirts and everyone's saying it. But I think that Emily and Garrett are truly an example of what that actually means, not just Mm -hmm. in a broad aspect, but really like in your life, in your neighborhood, in your community, what that can mean and what starts and ends with love. Yeah. And the cool thing is, is you've never heard a story like theirs, but it makes you feel even more empowered in your own story. That's always the goal here. And it makes you want to broaden and open your own story. Mm-hmm. And since we are living the story we want to tell, and we were really trying to author our own stories, this is definitely one that will inspire you. But first, let's hear a quick word from this week's sponsor. One of the things I've been working on as a mom for quite some time is letting go of some control issues that drive me and quite honestly, my family nuts. One of the steps I have taken is to let my kids decorate their own rooms. My girls have been thinking a lot about what they wanted their room to look like. And of course, I was thinking that I did not want to spend a ton of money. One of the things I loved most about my childhood was the fact that I was able to create my own space in my bedroom. It was such a creative and safe place for me as a child, and I have wanted my kids to have that too and show them how to make something their own by adding a few new design inspirations into their space. I took my kids to the place where I go when I want to infuse a little something new into my home, Betty's. 
Of course, we love their bedding, but another thing really neat about Bettys is how their amazing zip-up bedding is a great palette to add touches like a new blanket or new pillows to. My girls found some new coordinating pillows they love and pulled a color from those pillows to refresh the paint on their walls. With a little bit of new paint and a couple of awesome pillows, the girls had their room they were so excited to create and had the beachy retreat of their dreams. There are so many amazing and coordinating home accessories at Betty's. From different kinds and prints of blankets to home decor pillows, even to a pillow for each month based on seasonal holidays, your whole family will find something they love to truly create a space they love. As always, use code Becky and get 20% off your purchase at Betty's Welcome to the show, Garrett and Emily. We're so happy to have you guys with us, and we cannot wait to dive right in. So Emily and Garrett, why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves, and then we'll talk story. We can't wait to hear more about the stories. So my name is Emily Bell Freeman. I am an author, and a mother, and a grandmother, and um, I have five kids. We have four grandkids. And I've been writing books for Do about... Do you like them more than your children? I just uh, need to know if you like your grandchildren more okay, than your listen, children. Okay, <laughs> listen, I just love all the people in my family so much. I Although I heard, I heard Garrett say, yes. <laughs> I do love the babies. I'm not going to lie. Aww. But, oh, I just love all my kids so much. I really do. That, that The most fulfilling thing in my life is being with family, intentionally yes. being with family. Mm-hmm. So... That's what I love to do. I do a lot of speaking, a lot of writing. Um, I'm involved in a YouTube channel. I have several communities on Instagram. Um, and you have a new awesome. one. Yeah, because yeah. you just launched a new, a new one. one. Isn't that yeah, so new fun? one that yes. just started. So fun. With and our friend Katie, who, is, uh, who has been on the yes. podcast. So tell the name of that. So the newest one is called The Gathering Home. Um, and it's just going to focus year-round on ways to gather your family and as soon as we can, again, our neighbors and our yeah. communities. And and you guys, that's on Instagram. So just go Instagram. follow the account right now. It's so beautiful and uplifting. It's aesthetically pleasing as well. That's it is. Jessica Kettle. I was going to say Jess Kettle, our <laughs> so fake awesome. photographer, yeah. who's a miracle worker with presets. She, yeah. She, yeah, it's She's a beautifully so curated good. feed. Yeah. And, it's beautiful. And it will give you ideas on how to, how to gather, how to make your time together more meaningful and how to be intentional about it. For sure. And I just also I wanted to mention that the YouTube channel that you're referring to, Emily, is Don't Miss This Don't with miss David this. Butler, who you guys would have heard um, previous to this yes. episode. So this is the this is the Emily we're talking yes. about, and that's the David that we might refer to. Yeah. They do that work together, and um, Becky and I are huge. Um, I, I, oh, I hate saying fans of. I know you know what I mean. But no, we're users. We're users of the are, channel, and it has been oh. in both of our lives personally yes. and also in our families, particularly for me, has helped me to break down and um, make a more meaningful scripture study. But it goes back to that gathering, gathering my people together and like being able to have conversations and and just juice every last ounce of goodness out of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And so it's been such a great tool in our lives, particularly since we have not had a church congregation. And and in Arizona, we still don't. And Mm -hmm. it's not looking like we will anytime soon. Correct. So Yeah. So thank you for that YouTube channel. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that we went specific there for just a moment. Um, And your books, your books are found, you look up your name. On Amazon. Amazon. Go on Amazon. And Mm -hmm. um, I do a lot of writing within my faith culture, but Mm -hmm. um, a lot of national Christian writing 
marketing also both um, through my books and then through um, a different Instagram account, Multiply Goodness, mm-hmm. uh, where we just have a yes. lot of interfaith discussion mm-hmm. going on around God and scripture and Jesus. And those are my favorite things to talk about. Is there anything better? So, I know, right? And Family, we'll be, faith. We'll be sure community. to link all those Instagram accounts yes. and give you direct links for Amazon to be able to get some of the yeah. amazing products that you offer. For sure. Offering so much goodness. And speaking yeah. of goodness, we also have, you guys get ready. Brace yourselves for this place. It's so good. You ready? Hi, Garrett. How are you doing? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love your voice so much. All right. Well, we are so excited that you're here with Emily. So tell us a little bit about you. So I'm Garrett Bowles. I'm Emily's son, adopted son. Um, I can say that because it's true, and we'll get into that later. But I play for the Denver Broncos. I'm the starting left tackle. I've been in the league for three years. Um, so, yeah, my motto is just faith, family, football. I, mm. I love my family to death. I have a three-year-old son, a one-year-old daughter that Aww. I love dearly. I play with them every single day, and, you uh-huh. know, nothing's better than family. So other than that, we uh, – And a wife. And yeah, my, oh, yeah, and my wife, Natalie. <laughs> I love my wife, Natalie, to death. Um, she's my angel and definitely a big, huge thing, a part of my life. She changed my life forever, you know, with her and her attitude and what she does for me and definitely giving birth to my two kids. So um, we're all about family. I'm with my family every single time I get away from the facility or when I'm done working out, I'm always with my family. We just like to hang out at the house and eat good food and talk and laugh and that's about all what we do every single day sounds perfect family faith football food food (laughs) right food's important we gather around food right we we better it's no longer gb3 it's gonna be gb4 and to tell about your instagram account it's fun to watch it talks a little about about his football but also his faith and his family. Oh so yeah. What is that Instagram account first of all? So I think G was a G Bowls seventy four. Okay. Um, I was going to link that on my well, phone right now and right? start following, but we'll that, all do that. Is that right? correct? <laughs> I think Emily's it's either seventy four or seventy two. <laughs> I can't. Which, I can't remember which one it is. We're going to link to it in the show Twitter. notes, you guys. It's yeah. fine. So then you'll have it, and that will be good. He, um, he used to be seventy four, and now he's. 72. Uh, on his uniform. Oh, That's oh, where oh okay, got it. Comes from. Yeah, he's 74. Okay. Okay. Bowl's 74. Okay. okay. And so awesome. your Instagram account is about? Just my faith, my family, my football. That's really about it. You yeah. Know, that's my motto. I, I think it's important to have a motto and what your why is. And, mm. wh- and why you do what you do. And so that's Dude. why. <laughs> he's speaking our language. We're laughing because Garrett has no idea. This is the first oh. time he's meeting us or ever hearing us. But we actually just released a course called Live the Story You Want to Tell. And the first lesson is finding your why. Yeah. And so, so I, we so resonate with that, knowing what you're actually after. Because I think a lot of people get stuck in the actions of trying to obtain. But they don't even know what they're working towards or what their goal is. And so that why is just so vitally important. At some point, we're going to have to ask you, not yet, like fin- finish introducing yourself, but I do want you to explain how you found your why. Mm, that would be, be really so cool good. to know. Oh, absolutely. So, but your Instagram account, you're sharing about these things because they're a part of you. And that's what you're saying. Like, you have to know what your why is in order to, like, be happy, really. Oh, no, for sure. I think, you know, it's important as a professional athlete to, you know, get your following and just having under, having people understand, like, you're normal people. I right. think people look at professional athletes and be like, whoa, like, they're professional. But really, we're just normal people. 
um, that just go about our lives. So, you know, we all of us, each person that I know that's a professional athlete has a purpose. You know, some purpose is different than others, but majority of our purpose is families, the ones that are married and have children. Um, you know, you, one of my people I like to follow is, you know, Tony Finau or, or Stephen Curry. You know, those guys are all about family just like me. So you look at, you know, big-time athletes like that, and it's, you know, it's really important to know, like, it's all about the family. It's all about, yeah. you know, face family football or face family basketball or whatever whatever it is. You know, that's mm-hmm. what I try to focus on the most with my family. I love that. And as a mother, let me say thank you because I'm the mother of teenage boys who love football. And I love that as a professional athlete, you're recognizing that whether or not you want it as a, as a professional athlete, you have a platform and you have people watching you. And so thank you for using that platform so when my sons are watching they're not just seeing the football and that wonderful part of your life but they're also seeing the things that really are your why um, beyond that and so thank you for being a good steward and a good teacher and being an example for for all of us steward i love you can that thank word. my wife she does it all for me so. <laughs> thank you natalie thank you isn't that always the story behind a good man is a great yes, woman. Yes. Right? Well, how do so. you guys know each other? How did you get to, to be in each other's lives and each other's family? He's like, Mom, you see. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and that'll be confusing because he's yeah. called me mom already. But Garrett and I um, lived in the same neighborhood. And we had, I had young kids growing up. Garrett lived down the street from me. And um, before we even go into the story, I just want to start out and say, um, All of us who have some religious background, whatever it is, all of us who believe in God, um, I think we all feel called to a greater good in our life. And we we want to be part of creating the greater good. And that was my heart. That has always been my heart. And um, my husband, Greg, and I would talk about what could we do? Um, You know, should we adopt a child from... Um, Russia or a different country and we feel like we have something we could give Mm -hmm. Um, should we do foster care should we whatever and sometimes that goes into well let's go build an orphanage in Mexico or let's go to Africa and do humanitarian work and you look at all these things and and you just I think we kind of all inside of us have that where's my give Um, where could I reach out and it was interesting because what God taught me is Sometimes your give is in your own backyard Mm -hmm. and how important it is to be looking just right within our own communities to see, um, could I be a difference maker here Mm -hmm. in this community? So we lived in the same neighborhood. Um, Garrett, as he was growing up, was not well loved in our neighborhood. He um, vandalized homes on a regular basis. Um, we laugh all the time that the Lehigh Police Department all knew Garrett on a first-name basis. And this is the scary part. He also knew all of the police department on a first-name uh-huh. basis. Well, you guys were basically family. Right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That doesn't look good on a resume. And um, the neighbors didn't really love him. He loved um, vandalizing. He loved throwing eggs at places. He loved riding his four-wheeler through people's just brand-new getting ready for lawn. And mm-hmm. So you had a lot um, of energy yep. that was be just being channeled yes. in a very specific sort of way. No, absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's um, one way to put it, right? We, um, as Garrett got into about eighth and ninth grade, things just started getting really hard for him. And it wasn't just hard within our community, but really hard within the walls of his home. And 
a lot of what was what he was expressing outwardly was a whole bunch of hurt that was happening mm. inwardly. Mm. And in our church community, we had the leader of our um, congregation called a group of us together and said, this family is really struggling and um, I want to do something to help this family. And so in that circle of people, he was like, I want every person in this room to choose one person in that family you feel like you could connect with and lift, which I've never heard of that being done before. And yeah. as I sat in that meeting, I was like, this is an interesting approach, but I mean, it's a good idea because that way everybody has somebody who's mm-hmm. cheering for them. And we were, my husband and I were sitting at the very end of the group. So by the time it got to us, there was only one person left mm. in the family and it was the person nobody wanted. And that's how Garrett's entire life was, mm. is just nobody wanted relationship with him. And so we took Garrett and um, went home and just started thinking, what, how could we help and what could we do? And I had never really even talked to Garrett before. Um, we hadn't had any reason to have a connection yeah. at that point yet. And um, happened to the first time I had the ability or the opportunity to talk to Garrett was in a time of conflict for him in a situation that he was in that was really painful. And I happened to be walking by at the moment when it was happening and went in his room and sat down on one side of a door and he was sitting on the other side of a door. And I was like, do you just want to come out from that place and go for a walk? And Garrett and I really connected in that moment. And it was sad. It was a sad, sad moment for me to be able to visually see um, the condition his soul was in and how hurt um, and angry he was because of circumstances that weren't his fault. And um, Garrett and I connected really strongly right at the very beginning. And I had the opportunity to actually, as um, we began working with him, take over guardianship at the schools for him where I could go in and start meeting with counselors and meeting with teachers and meeting with people. And as Greg and I talked, we were like, this is what I think we should do. I'll go in and figure out what we need to do to fix the school situation. He was about to be kicked out of the school he was attending, and it would have been the fifth school he Mm -hmm. had had to leave or had been evicted from because of behavior. And so that's where I started. I went right into the school. I sat down. I figured out what I needed to do. We started having conversations. And I said, I, I feel like if we could get him out of, off the streets and in a home from 5 o'clock till 10 o'clock every night, it would make a difference. Mm-hmm. So what if we did dinner and homework help and we brought this kid in? And um, when I looked at my schedule, I'm kind of a busy person by nature. So I was yeah. like, we might need always help. Busy. <laughs> so you are I always reached, about the good. Yes. Yeah. Always doing something. Yeah, there's yeah, just yeah, always yeah. something. Yeah. So I reached out to two friends in my same faith community and said, "What do, would you guys want to be a part of this? And so we took Monday and Thursday nights. And um, those two other moms took Tuesday and Wednesday nights. And do you want to explain kind of what that looked like at the beginning, what those nights looked like? Culture shock, first of all. (laughs) Yeah, it was was hard at first just because it was all new to me. You know, I didn't have a, like when I grew up, I didn't have a lot of people to help me or even like tried to reach out to help me. Um, So, you know, that that moment that, I'm going to say mom now, but the moment when my mom and we were sitting across like 
when we connected, I, I felt safe. Like, I felt like that was a place where I could go for, like, a refuge place where, like, when things were hard at home, I could leave. And all I had to do was text 911, and they knew immediately that I needed help, and they would come there. Mm-hmm. And it was sometimes, you know, late at night, 1, 2 in the morning to, you know, 5, 6, or, you know, or if I need a ride or whatever it was, they were always there to help me. So I started to be like, okay, I can start to trust these people because um, trust was a huge issue for me. You know, I never really trusted a lot of people just from the circumstances that I had at my own home. And so when I attended these house, you know, I felt I started feeling real comfortable. Um, so on Monday nights, I'd come. We would do a family home evening type of activity. You know, we, when we talked about Christ or we talked about what we can do to better our lives in in a faith based basis, and then we would always have dinner, um, and then the kids in the house or their children would always help me with homework. Sometimes my homework would take longer than most nights just because sometimes I didn't like to go to school or, you know, I was always sick all the time. That was just an excuse that I used to not really do the things I needed to do. But over a long period of time, you know, for probably three, four years, I started to, like, get into a groove where, like, I can do something with my life. And that's what they gave to me. They gave me hope that I can realize, like, the importance of there's something greater in life than it is to just sit back and and let your life you know drown you is what I like to say because mm-hmm. you know with your anger with your fear that you have for not trusting somebody um, and you know you're just holding in all that anger and that you know anxiety or what depression or whatever you have at that time because you know when you're in a deep dark moment moments in your life you sort of feel lonely and you feel like you're not worth anything and so when somebody gave that to me. It started eventually, you know, chisel the the walls that I built, and uh, that's and they started to fall over, which was really cool to watch. And like now, I look back now and be like, you know, that's exactly what happened. Was just those walls just started falling, you know, as at times. And sometimes, you know, new walls would happen, but they would just continue to work with me. So I'd do that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I started to get where the point where like I wasn't getting in as much trouble or. You know, I was still making, I, I say, dumb decisions with consequences that I had to live, and we can get into that uh, later, but eventually it just started to get to the point where I wasn't making those decisions, and I started to become better and better because of the people that, that blessed me. And I think it's important to say um, a lot of people, when they hear us tell this story, they're like, have you guys seen The Blind Side? As if we haven't. The movie. As if it wasn't our favorite family movie <laughs> right. of all times. As if Garrett didn't watch it every single week for his yeah. entire <laughs> growing up. And one thing that I do want to say is sometimes you look at that, you look at the blind side story and you're like, yeah, but they had so much money and they had so much resource and they had so much right. ability to bring that kid into their house. And um, I think it's important to realize you don't have to have everything in order to help someone. We We were not in a financially good place when Garrett started coming to our house and he actually slept on a mattress from a thrift store in between my boys beds when he first started coming to our house on the ground which if you've ever seen Garrett Bowles you know he's (laughs) six five and 310 pounds and um but we just did what we had and and we cooked three times what we would normally have cooked, but I just made it work on Monday nights and Thursday nights. It was the fish tank. The fish tank was the best part about the whole situation. Yeah, it was the fish tank in the boys' bedroom that went all night long, and that's when he learned he loved a sound machine, is Mm. sleeping with a fish tank. It was so relaxing for him. But (laughs) um, I do think people need to realize 
you just do with what you have. You know, your life doesn't have to be perfect. Your house, you don't have to have the perfect house. You don't have to have a spare bedroom. You don't have to have in order to love. And what we had was a mattress from a thrift store. And we had an extra seat at the table. Mm -hmm. And I had kids that were the same age as he was who were taking classes from the same teachers he was. And so they could sit down right next to him and do that homework together and we used what we had mm-hmm. in order to love well and and sometimes that's what you do well and remember what the biggest thing is that you guys had which is a willing open-hearted mindset you had a willingness yeah. a desire to love and it really starts there because had you not had that the mattress means nothing yeah the extra seat at the table means nothing none of those would have been utilized if it hadn't started with a desire what were you gonna say Gary? no that's that's what it is it's like People, you know, we have a huge audience that's probably listening to this, but it's like, don't don't ever feel afraid like that you don't have what you think that person needs. What that person needs may just be, you know, a, a hand, you know, reach out and, you know, give them a hand or, you know, pick them up or, you know, just it's love. I think that's what the most important thing is, is like you don't need the fancy cars or the fancy house or the swimming pools or, you know, you know, five-star dining, you know, it can be something so simple. You know, I didn't like salmon. My mom knew I didn't like salmon, so that's a funny joke in our in our <laughs> household. But when she would cook salmon, it would be like, okay, what what else can you eat? But they always found a way. Mm-hmm. I had to share that because my mom's laughing. But. <laughs> and I think, um, and he always was like, choose me to send me to the Norse house when you're going to have salmon. That's what he <laughs> would tell awesome. me. Um, I think, too, it's interesting to think um, what happened next in the story. So we became a safe house for Garrett for four years until he graduated from high school, which meant instead of um, him having to be removed from his home situation, um, when circumstances were not healthy for him, he could text us 911. Uh, that was our code, mm-hmm. which meant I need help. And um, he, the people at his house knew he could st- walk out of the door and start walk, walking towards us at that point, and we would do the same. We, okay. From wherever we were, mm-hmm. we would come to him, and, and we became a safe house situation, mm-hmm. but he lived at his house. And you did not legally adopt him during high school. And we did not school. legally adopt him during high yeah. school. And yeah. then a- after he graduated the summer, let's see, no, it was the summer before his senior year. Is uh, that, no, two summers. Um, he, mm-hmm. this, this is so year. funny that it's been so many years now that who even knows, but he yeah. went to jail. Oh, um, that was my senior year. That was his senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, he spent some time in jail. And after he graduated for that year, that summer was a really bad summer, and their family ended up being evicted from their home. And they were trying to figure out where they were going to go, and my husband happened to be driving down the street right then. And um, he called me and said, Garrett is standing on the curb with all of his belongings and what do you want me to do? So I was like, well, go and figure out what is the situation. And he got in there, and um, Garrett's family said they were not taking him with them. He was going to have to figure out what to do and where he was going to live. And he had nowhere to go. And remember, we live in a community where he didn't have a lot of yeah. um, support. And so Greg put him in the car and called me and said, um, I'm sorry, driving. It's a boy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a boy. It's a boy. <laughs> this is my favorite part of my whole story. You tell it. So yeah. he just started you driving, right? You're in his car. Yeah, so okay. we, we started driving. He just threw all my stuff. I didn't have much. A couple of duffel bags. Um, that's about it, to be honest. I really didn't have that much stuff. Maybe a box. Um, that's really it. 
All my shoes. I definitely grabbed my shoes. He loves shoes. I love shoes. <laughs> shoes are my I hear thing. you. What size is your shoe? I just need to know. Size 15. Thank you. Thank you for that information. <laughs> um, yeah, so we threw all my stuff in the back of his truck, and we started driving towards back to their house. And I remember he's like, I need to call. After they talked on the phone, he started, he called again. And my mom, what? Well, at the time she was just Emily, but now she's my mom, but... Mm. They talked, and, you know, if you know my mom, she's she's a very religious person, so the first thing that she always does when she gets in a pickle or she, you know, she's stressing over something is she gets on her knees and, and, and prays to Christ. And uh, that's exactly what she did in that moment. Um, she's like, I just need to pray. So they hung up the phone. Um, and, I mean, we weren't that far away at all, probably, you know, a mile or two down the road. And within minutes she called us back and said, like, she knew at that time that she needed, like, now I'm hers. And so she said, bring my son home, mm-hmm. but leave all the stuff in the car because we're going to make rules. And I was like, oh, great. Because <laughs> I never had rules growing up. I, I mean, I had rules, but, like, I never really followed rules. I, I really just roamed the town at late, you know, odd hours of the night. And so I never really, like, understood, like, what rules are and why we're, why are the rules in place, you know, now I do, but back then I didn't. Um, so when we got there, I, I jumped out, and he's like, come on. We sat on the couch, and right in the living room, we sat on the couch, and she started saying all these things like, so, like, what do you want to do in your life? And, you know, we're going to help you. Here are the rules. And they, they were four rules. It was turn my cell phone in at night, which I'm like, what in the world? I'm like <laughs> 18 years old. And then she said, you need to go to church. I was like, because I never really went to church. I mean, like, I went to church, but it wasn't, like, mm-hmm. really going to church, like, really engaging in church, really not understanding. not consistent. No. Yeah. Um, paid my tithing. Um, that was something that was new for me because, like I said, I liked shoes. I liked worldly things at that time. I So I didn't really understand what that is. And it was to get rid of all my old friends because mm-hmm. all my old friends were, you know, a lot of them were um, – just weren't good influences. Um, you know, a lot of them just were roaming the town, and they were scary to my mom. So, you know, she had, you know, two daughters at home, so it was a little scary for her to bring somebody like me that's, you know, big and scary. That Everyone in the, my town knew, like, not to mess with me because they, you know, I fought a lot, so people knew, like, not to push me to the buttons. Um, and so when I got there, I was like, okay. So they had a bet during this whole time that my mom said I would last – Three weeks. Three weeks, and my dad said I would last three days, <laughs> which turned out to now 12 years later. <laughs> um, but Dude, that I moment. Love that you proved them wrong. Yeah. That's so right. But it was, it was crazy. During that time I moved in, I, I was fighting. Like, my good spirits were fighting with my bad spirits, and we were trying to figure out my life if I should, you know, go in there to the military because that was something I've always wanted to do. If it's to go to job corps, I don't know if maybe a lot of you guys know, like, in your – in your cities or in your towns that they have these places where you can go to learn a trait, like where you can go and learn how to lay brick or be a plumber or be an electrician, and they teach you, you live on campus, they teach you this trait, and then eventually when you graduate, they find you a job and you can go um, do it. Or, you know, like the Peace Corps where you can go outside and sort of like a serve a mi- like a mission mm-hmm. type of thing. That's what we were looking at, or serve a mission for my church. Um, and I was just like, what in the world? This is crazy. So as during this time, we were doing, we were going to all these places. And it was an interesting time because it was interesting for him, also interesting for us of like, 
what is this relationship going to look like? And, mm-hmm. and what is the, you know, what does this look like going forward? And um, it, I would pray a lot during that time of like, what am I supposed to do? What, like, what do you want me to do? What am I supposed to do with mm-hmm. Garrett? Are we going to put him in the army? Or are we going to put him in this boy's home? Or like, what am I supposed to do? And the answer would come back so clearly every time. Just love him. That's mm-hmm. it. That's your only responsibility. And I'm like a problem solver. I like a plan. Yeah. I like a list. That's and I'm true. like, um, okay, I do. I do love him. But like, what are we, what are we going to do with right. Garrett? What do you we know? do with yeah, the like, love? Yeah, what, yeah. what are we supposed to right. do? Bullet point and, list. Um, I'm stop right there, Mom. I'm going to share this part. <laughs> when she knew that she would love me, I remember one day I came home, and this is when I knew I had a, a mom in the life. This is when I like truly knew what a mom was to a son's life was. There was one time I was crying. I was frustrated when we were going through all these things. And I remember I was sitting on top of the stairs like I still do today. I sit on the top and I talk to my mom as she's in the kitchen. And it's so cute. I wish you guys could see what Garrett looks like because he is so big. I mean, you guys can see him, but I wish the audience yeah. could. He is huge. You guys will see in the picture that's yeah. posted on and, Instagram. Um, yeah. And it's I'll never forget this day either. He won't ever forget it. I also won't because he. I can still see him sitting, his big body just curled up. And these alligator tears, just, I mean, huge, huge tears coming down. And we were having this conversation, and you can. It's just conversation like, like, I asked my mom at the time, I said, Mom, are you really going to take care of me? And she said, yes. And we started talking about, like, how she was going to take care of me. And I said, no, like, are you ever going to leave me? Because mm-hmm. my whole life growing up, everyone's left me. All the, you know, the people that I thought were going to be there always left me, always turned the other way. And she's like, I would never leave you. And I said, well, are you going to love me? And I'll never forget that because I came downstairs. I was sitting on the couch, and we were both sitting on the couch. I remember she just grabbed me. She said, I will always be your mom, and I'll never let you go. I'll be there when you have your first kid. I'll be there when you get married. And she just started naming all these things where she's going to be there. And it was like I just felt that whole spiritual moment of what a mom truly is to a child's life and how important it is to have a mom and I'll never forget that moment because I felt so loved at that time that I like truly can rely on somebody and you know at first like it was hard because she was trying to trust me and I was trying to like trust her during this time of like my good spirits were fighting my bad spirits because I used to always tell my mom why don't you trust me and she's like why don't you trust me Mm. and so like we had this battle but like that was the moment where it was like we came together and like truly understood each other and like truly knew that we can trust each other and love each other. And that has never changed to this day. She's been there when I've had my, like everything that she said, she's done it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I knew that she was my mom and I could call her my mom the rest of my life. That's awesome. It makes me think of what you said, Emily, when you and your husband were making that decision in the car, bring my son home. You knew it in that moment. Mm-hmm. You knew it. You probably knew it before then, but for you to articulate it that way is there's so much power in those words, bring my son home. And then to have that loyalty both ways all these years is an incredible example of what family is. Well, it's crazy because I remember this probably like five years ago when they were talking like my mom always wanted like my mom always wanted to have more kids. Five kids was like their goal. And like they tried or they would, you know, have missed something would always happen. I had really, really rough pregnancies, but I had always felt like I was going to have five kids mm-hmm. from the very beginning. Mm. And when we had our last one, the doctor came in the room and said, no more babies for you. You just, 
Yeah, we can't, can't guarantee that baby will make it, and we're getting to the point where we can't guarantee you will make it. So just emotionally and physically better for you to be done. Yeah. And on one hand, it was, I mean, you know how you are as women where you're like, am I done? Am I not mm-hmm. done? I mean, it was nice that it, there was like no question, like yeah. you're done. I didn't ever have to have that spiritual mm-hmm. debate of if I was or wasn't. But I did always feel like someone was missing mm-hmm. in our family. So mm-hmm. um, it, it was really interesting as he, Greg and I are the type of people where we have an open door and our family is very much like that. We all are. Um, Garrett is the same mm-hmm. as we are, where we just take in people and we love people. And we've had a lot of boys actually come through our home in the years that we've been married. But we've never had one that was like, this This is part of our family. This is part of who we are. And we have people right. will tell us all the time. In fact, we just got family pictures taken and I posted on my Instagram. And mm-hmm. one of the posts was like, he looks just like your husband. How does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> like, I wanted to say back, and he acts just like my husband <laughs> also. That's and, awesome. Um, but Gara always teases. He's like, Mom, I couldn't come to your family first because you couldn't give me the size that I right. needed to play football. <laughs> so I had to go to another family first, and then God yeah. knew he would get me eventually to yeah. your family. And we really, you know, we laugh that that yeah. is true. That, And I think it really is true that um, God does orchestrate our lives in such a way as that, where he does um, place us in situations where we can be used and where we find the people he wanted us to find. You know, at the heart of everything that we're talking about as as we listen to this story that you guys are so willingly sharing, love is at the root of all of it. That's where Mm -hmm. it began. That's where it ends. And right now in the situation that we're all in right now in the world, um, sometimes in our own homes or in our own hearts, love is a struggle. It does not come super easily and naturally for a lot of people. I'm sure you guys witness and feel the same thing, that love seems to be sometimes lacking. What is your observation on love right now in, in life, Garrett? Um, how, how do you feel like it plays a role or where do you feel like it's missing? I think it plays a huge role in everyone's life. I, I, I mean, it was hard for me to love people at the beginning. Like, I think it comes with a trust thing. I think love and trust are very come hand in hand, um, you know, pretty much perfect, like yeah. side by side with each other going down the road. I I truly believe that because I, I think you can trust somebody to the point, like, but if you have one foot in and one foot out, I don't think you can love that person. Mm. Um, you know, you see it in marriages all over the time when people, you know, to people getting divorced over the littlest things, you know, something that, you know, you can easily solve and you just look back and be like, oh, I think you guys could have really solved that issue. But I really think it's, you know, one foot in and one foot out. I'm so like when you like when my mom when she took me in. I don't think she was one foot in and one foot out. I think she, like, she had a goal of what she wanted to accomplish, but it was totally up to me to accept what she's telling me, mm-hmm. accept the rules, accept you know, I call it life coaching because it really was you know it was multiple nights of talking for hours about how I can do to better myself. And I really think like that's what love is. It's not just doesn't just come overnight. It doesn't just come, you know, all at once with everything going on. You know, I, I think that's why I love football so much. I think, you know, another reason why I think Christ, you know, gave me the size and the ability to play football is because it is I love everyone. I love all my teammates. You know, they come from all different backgrounds, all different races, all different, 
struggles, and I love them. Like, I don't look at them as, oh, just because you're from this doesn't mean I'm not going to love you. I think, you know, my teammates always tell me, like, GB, you have, they call me GB. Um, like, you have a heart that, you know, like, how can we do that? Like, how do you love your wife as much as you do? Or how do you love the kids as much as you do? But it it took me a long time to love somebody. But I think over time when I could really trust somebody, really look at the good in a person, because I look at myself and I say, okay, if I can struggle the way I struggled growing up or I can, you know, go in and out of, you know, detention centers to jail to, you know, on my way to really going to prison. I think that's the way I was living my life. I was going to end up there someday. You know, it's a joke now in our family that we always talk about, like, man, I could have really been like that. Or when I'm um, driving, I go to the point of the mountain, I'm like, oh, I really could have been there. But it was really, I mean, I could have made one. The decisions that I were making were leading to a decision that I could have either went, you know, I can either go point A, which would have led me to prison. I could have been there for a long time or point B to where I can start turning my life around and really focusing in the good and really focusing on like, what does the Lord really want me to do? Mm-hmm. And I think once I started doing that, love and trust started to play a huge role in my life where I can love and trust somebody. Cause I used to always say, why would Christ give me, I mean, a lot of you all that are listening to this probably can say the same thing is why does Christ or the Lord give us a challenge that we, that, you know, he says that he can overcome, but like, why does he do that? And I really think it's because the Lord doesn't give us something that we can't overcome. He always gives us a trial. He always gives us something that we have to face head on so that we can learn something. Like my life, I learned to love. I learned to love and I learned to trust the people that are, you know, in charge. You know, sometimes, you know, those people make mistakes and that's where you need to learn how to forgive too. But at the same time, I learned to love because of the trial that I faced in my life, and I still face to this day, but I choose to not let that affect me because I have my own family. I choose mm-hmm. to continue to move forward. And that's the thing is love and trust is going to push you to a point in your life where you can see the good in the people. You're not just going to look at them because that person has a different color skin or this person dresses different or this person looks different than you, a different nose, you know, body style. It, it doesn't matter. You got to look at the good in everybody. And once you do that, once you realize that, then the love and trust will start to play in a role. I, I wonder, too, though, as we're talking about love, um, cultivating love, I wonder, I wonder, and the thought I'm having is, I think we all have that love and trust inside of us, and really it just gets buried. Like it gets buried under anger and hard circumstances and shame and all these different things and the work that we have to do is not learning how to love but really like ridding ourselves of those things so that we can do what we were created to do Mm. and we were created to love the visual that i have when you say that goes back to what you were saying earlier garrett which is that you felt the chiseling happen in your walls and i like i felt some really strong feelings when you were saying that because of the visualization of, of breaking down the walls because when we have walls in our life, and most of us do, and most of that have has to do with relationships, whether it's relationships with people close to you or relationships with people in general or relationship with God or relationship with yourself, the walls sometimes are there. And um, to picture the chiseling, the chipping away, you know, it doesn't happen. There's, it's not a cannonball that takes it down, is mm-hmm. it? Yeah, right? it's it's just line upon line. It's chiseling a little here and a little there. Has that been your experience? Is that just kind of little by little? It just helped in your life to build that love and trust with other people and with God for that matter to help bring down the walls. 
I mean, for sure, I think, you know, my friends, the people that we know, or my mom's friends, the people that she knows from all over the world, um, they always ask, like, how, like, how did you do it? Like, did it happen overnight? Or, like, it took, and my mom and I was like, no, it, it took years, it took months, it took days, it took hours to, to help myself change and to help, you know, let them change. Because I think... Not only did I change, but I think my mom and my dad and my family changed at the same time because, mm-hmm. you know, we all changed together and we all became a family because they saw what what I was doing and I, they saw the trials that I was going through and then the, I think it helped them realize, like, okay, this person is going through this, so, like, I need to change this way. And me and my mom always talk about that, like, she always says, you know, you didn't, didn't just change, I changed as well. And I think that was the thing that really helped our family become one is like we really focused on the little things and -hmm. let the little things become the big picture. It's interesting because um, I think that is such a good and valid point. Um, People will say, in fact, when Garrett was going to go into the draft, so he, um, we were invited to actually go to the draft the year he was drafted and be in the green room. And he went in the first round of the NFL draft that year and when we got invited, people started hearing that we were going. And I saw this man in a parking lot one day, and he was like, "I bet congratulations about Garrett. That's so awesome, and I bet you're so excited. And it's got to be really surreal. And I was like, yeah, it is. And, and he said, I just I want to know, though, because, like, you're in such a happy place right now, and it feels like, mm-hmm. like everything's worked out for you. But I just want to know, um, was it hard what you did? And I just started crying right when he asked because I looked back at what he's talking about, all those conversations in the upstairs bedroom and sitting there and trying to talk it through and trying to work it through. And, you know, you can't punch people in our family in the face, even if they make you mad. And you can't not go to school for five weeks and plan on graduating. And, I mean, they weren't just, like, um, easy conversations. They were, like, life-changing conversations that we had to work through and both Garrett and I came to a real firm understanding of the grace of Jesus Christ in that time the grace he has for us but also the grace we have for one another in those relationships and it was hard it is the hardest thing I've ever done um, for sure Um, it was as hard delivering Garrett out of that situation he was in as it was delivering every one of my babies And I think that's why I'm so connected to him because Mm -hmm. we went through that delivery process together as, you know, as we went through it and, and it was hard. It was hard, hard work, but I am better because of that work. And every one of my kids is better because of what we gave to that situation. And there's no doubt in any of my kids' minds that Garrett would protect them at all costs. That is how big his love is for them. And, but the same is true vice versa. Mm-hmm. That my kids love Garrett and his family. And, and there is a connection there that just, it's what is born of true and pure love. It's just what comes when there's no agenda behind your love, when mm-hmm. there's no manipulation behind your mm-hmm. love. When someone just comes in to a situation and you say out of the grace of God we are going to take you and love you and shelter you 
and provide a refuge for you. And I think when you do that, um, including boundaries, you know, but when you do that, it lets um, Jesus do his work in that situation. And I love, as we were talking earlier, there was a quote that came to mind that I was like, oh, this is so good by C.S. Lewis. As we're thinking about, and I'm hoping as people are listening, they're thinking, where could this be my story? Mm-hmm. Where is my give in my circumstance, you know? And I love this, um, C.S. Lewis. He says this, we think we have chosen our peers, but in reality, a few years difference in the dates of our births, a few more miles between certain houses, the choice of one university instead of another, the accident of a topic being raised or not raised at a first meeting, any of these chances might have kept us apart. But for a Christian, there are, strictly speaking, no chances. A secret master of ceremonies has been at work, Christ, who said to the disciples, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Can truly say to every group of Christian friends, You have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. Mm. The friendship is not a reward for our discriminating and good taste in finding one another out. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each of us the beauties of others. And I love the thought of that because it's true for us. He could have lived in a different house. He could have been in a different state. Mm -hmm. We could have been in a different faith community. Anything could have happened that would have made it so Garrett and I never met each other. But God, which is one of my favorite things to say. Because God is greater. God is greater than the situation Garrett had been placed in that was, would ruin his life. He was bigger than that for Garrett. And he knew how to orchestrate everything just so that eventually Garrett and I would find each other and Garrett and Greg would find each other. And I think you look at the world we live in right now, you look at the division and the contention and the... Um, the talking that is taking place and it doesn't take long for a conversation to become heated Mm-mm. about which side Not you're on yeah. and what you think should happen or how it should happen or who's right or who matters or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can blow up instantly, mm-hmm. but then there's part of me that says, what about love? What about just saying, let me sit down with you and tell me your story. How did Garrett and I's relationship start out with both of us sitting back to back between a bathroom door? Mm-hmm. And tell me your story. Who would have known in that moment when I was sitting in that room that was so beat up with a boy who was so wounded Mm -hmm. that God looked down and was like, you know what? This is your son. This is your boy. You don't know it yet, but in years from now, you will not miss a home game. You will sit on the front row and you will pray for four hours straight for his protection that his capacity will be increased, that things will go well for him, that people won't say mean things to him. Um, you'll, you'll spend the rest of your life pleading for amazing things to happen for this boy. When we were sitting back to back against that bathroom door, I never knew that would be my life. Who would have thought I would have shown up at the NFL draft? I know nothing (laughs) about football. Nothing. When I met John Elway the first time, I walked out of the room and Greg was like, do you know who that was? And I was like, I have no idea. I still am not quite sure who John Elway is. But God knew. He knew. He knew Garrett was supposed to be 
in my family and he orchestrated that and it makes me want to say to everybody who's out there who whose story does God need you to know right now and where can you bring love into a place of division and contention um, that would start changing the story of this world of our generation I right am so grateful for the beautiful perspective that you've added to that and I also want to hear Garrett, your perspective on what Emily touched on, which is right now with it being such a, an automatic thing for, like you said, Emily, conversations to become so heated. Everything's so divisive. Everything, every, there's, everything's polarized yeah. right now. What's your take on that? How do you feel like we should be navigating our way through such a crazy time? I think, that, I think the thing that comes to me is you have to be willing to receive uh, anything that comes your way. I mean, you know, during my life, like I, my mom, if she wasn't ready to receive what, you know, that call to meet with our church leaders to come help and save me, then, you know, the Lord would have never done that or Christ would have never done that. And I think that's the important thing is like you never know what your life can come apart or who you can bless if you're not ready to receive it. Like you have to be willing to really receive and really, you know, forget about yourself and literally put your head down so that the Lord can bless you with something. And I think that's what's missing too is like, yeah, you can have love and you can trust somebody, but like you have to be willing to receive that person or willing to receive that. Like my wife, and I'm saying like my wife's black, so like when we were at our junior college and I saw her, like I saw somebody that was like so perfect, but like I knew she had her, like once I got to know her and understand, I knew she had her struggles. She knew my struggles, but like, we were willing to, like, let that stuff to go and, like, receive each other to help each other. And I think, like, now I look back at my life, you know, being married for, what is it, going on five years mm-hmm. in this December, like, so and having cool. two kids, like, I look back and, like, with the NFL and everything, like, you have to I, you have to be willing to receive it because you never know when the Lord's going to call you. You never know when your neighbor's going to call you need help or, you know, there's a person on the side of the road, like, when I drive, I always like to stop and help the person that changes their tire or help somebody that's in need. I always stop and slow down and ask if they're okay. But, like, my wife's like, why do you do that? And I was like, because you never know if that person needs help. And she's like, well, that's scary. And I was like, yeah, well, I'm 6'5". Like, I, I'm, I'm it's because you can lift the car up is the, the reason. And I like what he's talking about. You have to be willing to receive because yes. think how interesting this is. People, we're not... By nature, we want it. We don't want to. We want to say no. This is what I believe. This mm-hmm. is what I think the story is. This is what I want to project my inside. What what I think mm-hmm. is right, instead of stopping long enough to say, I like that thought about receiving. Of like, okay, give me your story. Totally. Give me your situation. Give me your point of view before I'm going to be so quick to try and tell you mine. Let me receive yours. Let's find what's similar there. And then let's see how we can build build on that for good. Stephen R. Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of those habits he talks about is seeking first to understand before you are understood. The reason that principle is so powerful is because of the change that can be made by just putting that into action. Mm-hmm. Just last week, I was talking with a few 22-year-olds. We were talking about relationships, and and we were talking about how when relationships get rough, uh, any type of relationship, it's applicable in all scenarios, but we were talking about how um, 
it, how important it is to receive. And so I wanted to just touch on this real quick because you're talking about receiving, and that's a big deal. Receiving can be on a very small, seemingly small level as well, so that when you are in a relationship with someone and they do have feedback for you, feedback is a global word. <laughs> it could be <laughs> yeah. positive, negative, whatever. But to be receiving of the feedback is a hard thing. It does not innately come to us as humans. Right? It's hard to curb defensiveness. Oh, and you're talking about somebody who's continually trying to work on being defensive, (laughs) right? Because I always can hold my own, right? But that's the thing is, and that was my big takeaway from a handful of 22-year-olds is they were talking about how important that is to be receptive, to be receiving in that way as well. And I love that when we think about receiving, that it's details in a relationship. And also, let's go back to where we began Emily, you and your husband's hearts were prepared to receive on a way bigger scale. Receiving is a a very important part of all aspects of life, small and big. And I think one of the things that sometimes prevents us from receiving yes, is what, what Garrett mentioned. Mm-hmm. It's fear. Yeah. It's fear that if I receive or embrace you into my life, mm-hmm. something is going to happen that I don't want to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I can't let that come into my life because I don't know what is going to happen, which for me is why we need Jesus to be part of the story. Because um, like for us, that's what made the difference for Garrett. I didn't change Garrett. Mm-hmm. Greg did not change Garrett. We provided a safe haven where there was love. That's it. That's why every time I prayed, the answer was just love him, mm-hmm. right? You provide a safe haven and love. And and by safe haven, I want to make sure people understand that was boundaries. That was rules. That was a place where Garrett would be safe, mm-hmm. um, but also love. Because when we have a situation like that, God can do his greatest work. Mm. And, and it is the grace of God that changed Garrett. It was us providing an environment where the grace of God could work. And that is still true in Garrett's life. I say to him all the time, um, why does God take such good care of you? He takes such good care of Garrett. It's constantly you see God orchestrating in Garrett's life. But it's because um, Garrett realizes that God is real. And um, there are certain patterns in Garrett's life Mm -hmm. that reflect his knowledge that God is real. And so in essence, Garrett is saying to God, I'm going to receive you into my life. I'm going to let you do work here. I'm going to let you do work in my marriage. I'm going to let you do work in my career. I'm going to let you do work with my family. And because he's, he's allowing God that place in his life, it's enabling him to be transformed. And Mm -hmm. I think that's true for all of us. If we're willing to say, I'm going to invite God into this story. I'm going to invite him into this conversation. I'm going to invite him into the contention and into the division. I'm going to invite him in, and I'm going to let him do his work. And um, what are what are the two great commandments? Love God, love God. and love, love people. Mm-hmm. That's my job, right? That's That's what I'm supposed to do. So when I drive down the street and I see a kid on the road, I love God and I love people, and it's going to determine Mm-hmm. the outcome of that story. And the same is true. When I enter into this political contention and division, what's my job? Mm-hmm. Love God and love people. How can I do it best in yeah. this situation? 
one I, I love that one of the ways that we can do it best in love um which i hope that we're all thinking really intentionally about how we can be more love-based in our choices and in our actions and in our thoughts is tying back to it again is the receiving of him and so I think as much as I don't want to wrap up because I could talk with you guys for hours, <laughs> I think I would love to hear from both of you on maybe one final thought, one final question. When it comes to making a difference, whether it's in your neighborhood or in a bigger way, whether it's related to political unrest or something going on in your home, what are the ways that you personally feel like you feel God's presence in your life the most as a church community, as a faith community, we we're focused very much right now on how we hear him, how we feel his presence in our life. And I would love to hear from each of you on what that means for you personally. Garrett, how do you feel him and hear him? I think I feel him just from the blessings that I've seen throughout my life. I mean, people ask, I mean, people used to ask me like, how did you get to where you're at? And I was like, well, it's by the grace, like, I remember a specific thing when I'm on the stage, I get drafted. I hold my son up wrapped in my jersey when I shake Roger Goodell, our commissioner of the NFL's hand, and I walk over and I'm getting interviewed. And they, one person's like, does your son know that you, that daddy's going to be rich? And I was just like, it was a weird question. I was just like, well, yeah. And then he's like, well, like, and he asked him a question. I said, well, by the grace of God, I am where I am. I, I am where I'm at. And... It's true because without God, I wouldn't be where I'm at. Like, God wouldn't bless me with a family to take me in or a person that I can call my mom when he knew that I needed the mom the most at my time in my life when I was struggling because that's what moms are there. They're there to help you. Um, And, I mean, I talk to my mom every single day. I don't think there's a day that I go by not talking to my mom because Mm -hmm. I know, you know, that's our relationship. That's Mm -hmm. how, you know, we know that we love each other is by talking and understanding each other and some com- sometimes our conversations are long and sometimes they're short but it, there's always a meaning behind our conversations there's always something that you know we're both working on or she'll ask for my opinion and I'll always ask for her opinion but that's where I see God is not only that but like having that connection with my mom at such you know a time in my life at 18 years old has really played a huge role into me being a father and being a husband to my beautiful wife, Natalie, and my two kids, Kingston and Rob, because I see God through them. You know, me having a family of my own, you know, I always used to tell my mom, like, why can't I just have a family on my own? Like, why can't I just have somebody? And she's like, well, you will one day. And I remember because mm-hmm. I, I had a conversation with them that was like, I was so scared to go ask a father to marry her, their daughter because of my life. Like, mm-hmm. I was so scared because I thought he was just going to look at me like, the rest of my life was I'm dumb or I'm stupid and I made these decisions was I can't stand those words and I talk about those like not say those words to people because those are hurtful yeah. things but my mom and my, my dad used to always tell me like they're not they're not gonna think that they're gonna think of you because of the life you changed now if you if you were going to them six years ago mm-hmm. yeah they're gonna have concerns but like you've turned your life around just go be yourself and I remember sitting there with my in-laws and I explained this to them because I didn't see them for like the first three months. I was so scared to even talk to them sure. I, when I was dating the daughter. And I remember we had, like they thought I was just some random, per, like an extinct person. And I remember <laughs> I went and had dinner with them. 
And I remember I was like, hi, my name is Gary and I do exist. Like I said <laughs> that to him because they always said I didn't. And I remember when we went back to the house and then we sat on the table because Natalie had to go outside for some reason. They're like, we had a feeling like you're going to be in our family. Wow. Before uh-huh. I even proposed or before I even said anything, like they already knew that. So and that cool. was huge for me knowing like, okay, that, that was that was a God moment. That was totally. somebody mm-hmm. saying like, Mm-hmm. They believe in me, and so now, like my whole life, is I teach my kids, and I go to football, and I see my, you know, I keep having, you know, I use my church, I use my faith to my teammates. You know, they always tease me about being a, a Mormon. And, you know, it's always, you know, jokes and things like that. But they always know that I won't ever break. Right. I, st- I, I don't drink. I don't smoke. They know those things. But Christ helps me through those moments because sometimes those moments are hard. We have to make life decisions of what we want in our life. And I think the more times that we focus on Christ and I reflect back on my life of how much love is, is that's how I know that Christ lives. Mm-hmm. Because there was multiple times in my life where I'm like, man, I should have been to jail a lot more times or I should have gone this and that. But I always felt like there was something there. I always felt like there was like I would go to the point where, okay, I'd get in trouble with the law or I'd get in trouble you know, with a woman or whatever at that time. But there was always a something that would, like, not let me go too far. Like, it mm-hmm. wouldn't let me, like, go. I mean, yeah, I was in trouble. I don't want people to know, like, I wasn't, like, I was a bad kid at that time. People knew me as like that. Um, but I was, I don't want to say bad because I was more lost. But I would always go to the point where, I was like, okay, who's stopping me? I felt like I was like, I couldn't move. Mm-hmm. And that's been the a point. powerful mm-hmm. thing um, in Garrett's whole life, I think, is just recognizing the right. evidences of Absolutely. God be- being there. And there is no question when you hear him tell his story of those evidences all along the way. And I think that is one way we do experience love, mm-hmm. especially from God is looking back and saying, where are those same evidences like Garrett yeah. was talking about in my life? Um, I think also, for me, it's it's also forward thinking. So it's backwards thinking, where is the evidence of God in my life? But it's also forward thinking of where do I see mm-hmm. the Lord in this? And I just love this scripture. Maybe it's a great place to end in Matthew 25 um, as we think about our world, our community, our story, our call to love God and to love people even in this situation that we're in right now when he says, I was unhungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in, naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous shall answer and say, where saw we hungry or fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? When did we see you as a stranger and took thee in or naked? And I love when he says, in as much as you have done it unto the least of these, in as much as you have done it to the one who has been wronged or hurt or left on the curb or in the midst of that division or that contention, the one who feels like they have been wronged their whole life, when you turned your heart to them, you did that in my name. You did that for me. And I think for us to understand love, we have to go backwards exactly what Garrett said and look for the evidence of his love in our life. And when we see that and recognize it, then we have to live that love going forward with every person we come in contact with. That's what it looks like to be Christian. Mm. 
I love the final thought I want to leave is that you can never underestimate the power of a small act of love. Mm -hmm. And I think particularly with children, one thing we talk about a lot is the love that um, the people in our community show my children is so much more impactful than even the love that they get from me when when they're teachers or when you know people at church or you know Becky and my kids are really good friends when Becky takes my daughter aside and says something the impact of that is felt so mm-hmm. deeply mm-hmm. and we cannot we need to be looking for ways to be spreading our love beyond our own families because yeah. I think sometimes we get so caught up in our family our family our family we forget to look up and spread our love outward. Totally. Yeah. And um, that's a good reminder for me that I need to be I need to be focused on that. I think we all need to be. Mm-hmm. And right now with a lot of that unsettledness and unrest and a lot of argument and division, love is it's so simple, guys, but love is still the answer. It is the only way forward. Garrett, do you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so you're hearing it from 6'5 over here, <laughs> who also agrees yes. that something that seems so soft as love is actually the most powerful way through any of this. Garrett and Emily, thank you so much. You both have brought a great deal of um, encouragement and um, hope to all of us. And I'm so grateful that so many people get to hear their voices. Mm-hmm. Um, you speak obviously a lot and you've written books, Emily, and things like that. Um, and Garrett, I know that you've spoken with your mom together some. That's my impression, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, we love to. Good, good. And so just knowing that that um, that your voices continue to be further amplified just means that that many more hearts can be reached. Mm. So thanks for giving us the honor of sitting down and chatting with you guys today. And thank you for sharing your story. And thank you for reminding all of us of the stories that we have also, because that's the point. We all do have stories and there is um, deliverance and grace and love and all of it. And we just get to have the choice. We have the choice to find where those pieces are. So I'm going to say one more thing. Please do. I just had an impression to say this, but one of my favorite quotes that I've always told myself growing up is it, it doesn't matter how you start, it matters how you finish. So as we go through our life, is what we talked about today, just remember that it doesn't matter how you start, it matters how you finish. So there's always a chance in your life where you can go out and find someone to love and, and really give them your heart. Yeah, but and even if the relationship hasn't started sure well, yeah, oh, it matters. <laughs> it matters how you finish. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I it does that. not matter where you are. Mm, I love that. Thank you guys very much. And friends, thank you for carving out the time to listen and for joining us in this continued conversation about cultivating a good life and loving better. Nothing we have said is more important than the specific things you have felt that are personal for you. We invite you to write down those promptings you feel and most importantly, act on them. We love you. We're cheering you on and we look forward to being with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye guys. Kevin's our hero. Kevin is a hero because he's an Algaier.
Also because he's freaking awesome. Does that make me a hero too? Duh. Have I not made this abundantly clear? Why do you sound better than I sound? Because I'm better. <laughs> it just, Claire, I don't know. do you think Becky's better than me? No. In which ways? Ask my daughter who's better. Let's ask Lucy who's better and see what she I am says. Her spirit animal. What is she going to say? She's going to be like, Becky Higgins. Will you adopt me? I drew up the paperwork. All you got to do is sign. <laughs> yeah, for the record, I have someone in my family that makes contracts. It's Claire. Claire legit makes contracts. Okay, hold on a second. I think them. we're really on to something. How about for two weeks? Mm-hmm. I'll trade you with Claire for Lucy. <gasps> I'm going to teach Lucy how to be still. Watch me now. Bull crunky. Good luck with that. No, it's going to happen. How are you going to teach her to be still? I have to think about that. Give me a minute. You should write a course about that if you can figure it out. 